Hey there, everybody. Mike here, and this is Conquering Columbus, the only podcast that brings you all the stories of the incredible people here in our great city. And uh, today, I'm flying solo again. Josh and Tim have left me all alone to record this intro for you. And, uh, you know, I hope you're all doing well, though. It's Things have been uh, not quite turning around fully, but it seems like things are getting a little better here in Ohio as uh, numbers start to go down. Let's keep that trend going. You guys know I'm talking about COVID, of course. Uh, but let's keep that trend going, everybody. Keep your masks on and uh, stay healthy. But today on the show, we've got Brittany Ruby Miller joining us, and she is the president of the Ruby Miller Group. And if you haven't heard of them, they've got steakhouses all around Ohio, including Cincinnati and Columbus. They've got one here in town. Definitely recommend going to check it out if you haven't been. And uh, personally, I love a good steak. And my grandfather, if you haven't heard, I'm sure if you listen to this podcast for a while, you've heard me mention it. My grandfather owned a steakhouse in New York City for 31 years. So steak runs in the family. But Brittany was great to talk to. She uh, came all the way up from Cincinnati to chat with us. And she's done a lot of work to help the restaurants and other teams that are struggling at this time and, and talk to politicians. And, and her story is a really interesting one. So I hope you all enjoy this episode. Hope you learned a lot. And we'll be right back. This is Conquering Columbus. Falling through the air. And I fell 450 feet through the air before I slammed into the mountain the first time. Hey there, Conquerors. Today on the show, we have Cameron Mitchell of Cameron Mitchell Restaurants. One of our goals is to be better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today. And that goal stays the same 24-7, 365. Jenny Brittenbauer of Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. I'm truly never comfortable. When I'm comfortable, I'm bored. I just have to keep going. Only when you're a little bit scared are you in a place where you're about to learn something. We're explorers and explorers are making discoveries because they are going places where people haven't before. Greg Oden. Push yourself. You know, we hear about a lot of people who in the times that they've struggled and pushed themselves the most is when they figured out the most about themselves. Donato's Jane Abel. We have a umbrella idea of agape capitalism, which is about doing business and doing it with love and giving back to the community. And I believe in our product, but more importantly, I believe in our people. The Ohio State University President, Dr. Michael Drake. When you really take yourself to your limit and then push yourself to do your very best. Pelotonia CEO, Doug Ullman. There's this genuine pride for things that were born and raised in Columbus. And that's awesome. At the same time, there's this beautiful Midwest humility. People don't necessarily care about who gets credit. White Castle CEO, Lisa Ingram. This human being I think we really like stability and doing things the same, but everybody knows you don't really grow. And so the other great thing about human beings is we want to learn new things. Urban Meyer. There's one guarantee in this world, and that's hard work will be rewarded. And hard work, you have to embrace this comfort. I love how you said that. Live uncomfortably. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. Today on the show, we're joined by Brittany Ruby Miller, and Brittany is the CEO of Jeff Ruby Culinary Entertainment, Cincinnati's preeminent restaurant group, which manages a portfolio of high-end steakhouses widely regarded as among the best in the nation. And she heads an organization of seven steakhouses in Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee, and leads a team of more than 500 employees. She is also a founder and board member of the Jeff Ruby Foundation, which focuses on supporting at-risk youth and foster children in the Cincinnati area. We're excited to have her here on the show to learn more about her story and Jeff Ruby Culinary Entertainment. 
Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Brittany. Thank you for having me. And thanks so much for coming all the way up from Cincinnati. And yeah. it was apparently you were about to get flooded. Uh, <laughs> Might have needed an arc to get up here. <laughs> we're here. I, um, I feel bad because I think I rescheduled this a couple of times. So I was, we looked at the Doppler. We were like, okay, I think we're, we're good. But it was crazy in Cincinnati. Well, luckily it's bright and sunny here. It and, is. You know, and Brittany, one of the first places we like to start here on the show is just learn a little more about kind of your life leading up today. So, you know, started maybe as far back as, hey, what was your childhood like in Cincinnati? Childhood? Childhood, going all the way back. So growing up as Jeff Ruby's daughter was um, a blessing. And also I think he's very colorful, flamboyant type of person. And I always said, because of that, I'm going to, I just wish my last name was Miller. Like this Ruby thing, you know, really flashy, now I'm, I, I don't care, but as a kid, you kind of want to fly under the radar. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I married somebody and his last name's Miller, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I had an amazing father, great mom, dad really built his company, started 40, almost 40 years ago, 1981 with the precinct. It's the longest fine dining white tablecloth restaurant in Cincinnati. Really smart guy, went to Cornell, uh, made it on his own, ran away from home when he was 15 because no one ever wanted to claim him. And, um, and so I saw what that was like with really uh, grassroots starting a company, um, Generation 2. And the the importance of quality and customer service and guest relations, we call them guests, what it took for him to build a company. But it, it was, um, you know, he, he worked a lot and my mom was involved in the business as well. So uh, I had an amazing grandmother from England. We called her Nanny. Uh, she's in heaven now, but really Nanny was very involved in our life. And, uh, and so, but it was good. I definitely wouldn't take it back. I think that uh, it made me who I was. And as we grew up, my brothers and I uh, got into the business against my dad's will. I, at 15 years old, I started hostessing at, we had a floating barge called, a restaurant called The Waterfront. And so he wouldn't hire me as a 15-year-old high school girl. So I went around his back and interviewed with the GM uh, and he hired me. So at that point now I'm on the payroll and Charlie uh, my mentor really took me uh, under his wing. And and so I worked every position from about 15 to 20 through high school, through college. Went to the University of Cincinnati, got a degree in religious studies. September 11th hit when I was a freshman in the business college. And I was really interested in, in what was happening in our world and reading a really interesting book called Left Behind at the same time. And kind of like what's happening now, you're seeing all the chaos and this craziness. I, it's very similar to 2001 at the time when you're, you know, a vulnerable freshman. So I called my dad, said, hey, I've taken business from you all my life. And I'd like to change my major to understand all religions and have an appreciation for, uh, you know, whether it's Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, Islamic, Muslim, Judaism, all of that. And he said, I don't care, just get in and get out. That's fine. So it changed my major. But through that, Worked every single position in the company, front of house, back of house, fell in love with the back of house, actually decided to go to culinary school and uh, fell in love with cooking. I did for a little stint in there, thought I was maybe going into sports broadcasting and uh, had, had a really cool, unique opportunity with ESPN and Aaron Andrews and did an internship with Channel 5 Sports with Ken Brew and George Vogel. But when I was in culinary school, I realized I really loved talking about food and had some cool stuff that we were able to do through the Food Network. And so kind of dabbled with that. And um, what led me to the corporate office, so that was, thought I was going to 
get into that type of thing and had a call back with the next Food Network star. And I had just had a baby and they said, well, you've got to go six weeks, no seeing your baby or your kids or your husband, no phones. I was like, well, that's not going to happen. But but I really kind of dove into the company at that point and went through management and assistant manager and worked at one of our restaurants at a casino. So had about 15 years of operations and then went to the corporate office as a guest relations manager and then kind of worked my way up from there. So uh, a lot of learning, great parents, a lot of love. Uh, they tried to be around as much as they possibly could. Great brothers who are now in the business as well. And it uh, wasn't always easy, but we've got a very tight knit family. And, and so if fairly normal, even though he was pretty high profile. Okay. That was, that was good. Our first sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level. And Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. There's a lot to unpack there. I guess the thing that I'm most curious about, so you mentioned that your dad actively tried to keep you guys out of the business, but it sounds like you were always just drawn to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's one of the first things I always ask when somebody who's involved in the family business is like, hey, did you always see yourself being a part of it or did you feel like you wanted to fight it? Like, so it sounds like you were kind of drawn to it yeah. even early on. I was drawn to it. I think really for me, it was like, do I want to stay in the sports broadcasting world or do I want to stay in food? And decided to go that route with the company. I think my dad really wanted me to stay in sports broadcasting uh, because I think that he knew at the time how difficult this industry is. It can be a really dark industry, uh, which is why we do the work that we do and not to go too far down the rabbit hole. But I mean, really, we feel called to higher purpose of just having restaurants. We do a lot of work in many different sectors, one through our foundation in poverty and foster care, also with mental illness. And as a little girl, you asked how it was growing up. Really, it was the difficult part was seeing seeing that dark side of restaurants. And so the way that we lead our company now is through that lens where we're going to be really open and honest about how our industry is and try to do what we can do using the platform that we have to bring good. And so that, for me, is what I get passionate about, trying to to do my part, not only for our employees in our communities, for our guests, and using that as kind of my, my mission in, in life. So you were a founding member of the, the Jeff Ruby Foundation, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, so when did that come into play? Were you, like, had you stepped into your current role as CEO when that mm-hmm. happened, or did you kind of start planting the seeds of that idea earlier? Well, we have always been very charitable. We've always given to many different causes, but we weren't really making that much of a direct impact on one thing. And so I really believe that everybody needs to find in their own soul, in their heart, like, what is it that you feel called to do? Because you can go volunteer at a soup kitchen or go, you know, help the poor or whatever it might be. But if you devote your time to like one thing, and if everybody did that, I feel like that's what makes the world go round. For us, we were given $100 gift cards here, $100 here, and it was like just not very strategic whatsoever. So my husband, after he was done playing for the Cincinnati Bengals, had always been heavily involved in international mission work. So spent a lot of time with Iris Global, uh, Mozambique, South Africa. He's been uh, Philippines, Africa, everywhere 
really across the globe. And that's what he's passionate about. And I got very passionate about that through. And a lot of it was involved in our church. And that's what what he did. And he's always been very smart. (laughs) So Caleb's crazy IQ, very good at being able to kind of line things up. And, And what he did was put our family through a working session because he said, look, your dad never had a father growing up. Cincinnati's in the top five in childhood poverty, in poverty just in general. We believe through the foster care system, through trying to uh, find homes for these kids, if if we can even cut it in half at any point, what does that do for systemic poverty, right? So for us, really, we sat down and as a family, he kind of directed us and led us through this working session that lined up with his background through missions and my father's background through never having a father. And I've got like 20 surrogate brothers. That's what my dad did all growing up. So he took in tons and tons of kids and it was a great experience for us. So he kind of helped us bridge that gap to where now very clearly we're involved in one kind of single vision and uh, trying to be laser focused on childhood poverty. You think that him growing up without the family kind of pushed him towards wanting to fix that for other people? Yeah, I think it, you know, for, for my dad at the time, it was not about um, not wanting to do that, but he's so charitable that he wanted to give to many different things. And mm-hmm. so when we really sat down and and we talked about the impact that we could have through that, that definitely helped him because it was, do we want to give to homelessness or is it feeding the children, which we're involved with through his book, proceeds go to that. But I think overall, just helping to bridge that challenge and that problem with the foster care system Mm-hmm. So yes, the answer is yes to yeah. that. I think that that pulled on him. The other thing for us is we have a really incredible impact through people that we know in politics and in the government and movers and shakers. And so, you know, being able to sit down with governors, with change agents to discuss some solutions has been pretty helpful for us. Yeah, we need a lot of that right now. Yeah. But I think like when you grow up in something, like anything that I've experienced growing up, I, I obviously have more of a experience in that I can notice when somebody else is going through it, you're like, okay, cool. Let me help you. Like we were talking about, you know, I grew up in church as well. And I would see these mission trips that were really just like a field trip, right? It was Mm -hmm. like for the optics. And then as I got older, I was like, okay, it's not about me doing this and seeing me doing this. It's about like actually making change. Like I remember sitting in the Haiti, we we built a uh, orphanage in Haiti. We like built this chicken coop so they could, you know, have eggs so they could eat. You know, it was just like, Mm -hmm. let's build up a system so that when we leave, you know, they don't need me to like build a wall and then leave, right? They need like, how are we going to fix it? And I remember sitting in the airport and looking around and we were just exhausted because we just, you know, a bunch of pale dudes in the sun for two weeks or whatever. And I'm looking at all these church groups that had, you know, 50 kids that were like 12 to 15 and like they're matching t-shirts. And I was like, God damn it. Just like take the money from those shirts, Mm -hmm. donate it to the people who need it. Like a 12 year old kid's not going to fix Haiti, you know, like they got the photo op or whatever. Sorry, I'm just like tangent. Yeah, but like it's when the you teach grow Amanda up, fish. Yeah, exactly. Concept. And yeah. so it sounds like him growing up, not necessarily like everything, but that one thing is like, okay, well, I experienced this. How can I do my part to eradicate that? You know, like for me being adopted and watching me assimilate into a family that was nothing like me was very difficult. So now when I meet another kid and, and they're going through it, you can be like, don't worry, like it gets better. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just providing that. Um, my friend, one of my best friends runs a... Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but they're like in downtown Cincinnati and they do an after school care program. Mm. And it's literally like these kids have just the worst go of it. And he's like him and they, they just like take care of them. And it's like funded by a religious group, but they're not just like pounding the Bible in them, but they're just like 
mm-hmm. taking them in after school and their parents are either at work or they don't have parents, right? So they're just giving them a place, a safe place after so they don't, you know, go down the block to like, what, what is that? Like the deadliest block in the country right there and mm-hmm. over the Rhine. And so seeing that, it's like, I definitely see exactly what you're talking about. And I told you I did no research whatsoever, but I did look up and it said that he was in Asbury Park, New mm-hmm. Jersey. Is that where he's from or- because mm-hmm. I, have, I have family from Asbury Park. Oh, so I, yeah. that, I started to read an article. I like to go in with no information and just kind of learn from the conversation, which may be a terrible way to do interviews, but it seems to be working so far. But did you grow up there at all or spend any time there? Or? Okay. No, grew, born and raised in Cincinnati. So what was the transition from Asbury Park to Cincy? Because that seems like a... Yeah, for him. Mm-hmm. So he graduated high school and uh, he had a high school football coach. He went from failing every single class to full ride scholarship with this coach under, nice. took him under his wing to playing football at Cornell. And when he was finished with Cornell, he was recruited by Weingartner Hammonds, which is a big hospitality hotel group. Okay. And they gave him, uh, there's a long story here and I'm probably butchering the story, but basically he had an option, which, where was he going to go? And there were a few different markets. Uh, one of them was Cincinnati and he was a Reds fan. So, oh, okay. so he moved to Cincinnati, became, he was overseeing seven Holiday Inns and became very close with Johnny Bench and Pete Rose and the big red machine. <laughs> and the bank won loan him the money for the precinct. And so Johnny and Pete backed him. Okay. Uh, Johnny Bench is my godfather. And uh, he, he basically just really networked so well at the Holiday Inn that these guys, he became family with them. So they backed him on the precinct. Prime interest rate was 21% and uh, exceeded all expectations. And then he built the waterfront and then rapidly, well, he didn't actually rapidly grow until he says, he, he didn't grow until his children were grown and they helped him grow the company because he said he'd rather watch his children grow. So uh, the irony now is in the past four years, uh, pre-COVID, we opened for three restaurants in four years and doubled in revenue, doubled in size. He laid the foundation. Um, he is uh, hes just quite a remarkable man and great father. Our next sponsor is FMX. FMX is a computerized maintenance management system that helps organizations accelerate their operational success. And FMX enables you to streamline processes, increase asset productivity, and turn actionable insights into meaningful results. If you'd like to learn more, check them out at their website, gofmx.com. That's G-O-F-M-X.com. The Burlett Family Foundation. The Burlett Family Foundation is a local nonprofit that's committed to helping their partners build upon their strengths. They turn visions of what if into sustainable resources for the community. So I'm going to ask this something random now, and it probably won't get an answer here on the show, but if you get a chance, um, ask if your dad ever knew a guy named Mike Minucci from New York. I feel like I know that name. I feel like I've heard it. Well, that's me. But also my grandfather, who owned a restaurant for 31 years, a steakhouse in New York City in Manhattan. Well, I didn't know your last name was Minucci. So <laughs> I, see, I see Mike at Conquering right, Columbus. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I totally understand that. No, I mean like Mike Minucci. So that was the name of his steakhouse. And it was pretty well known for 31 years. That's awesome. But he was kind of the same in that he didn't want any of my dad or my aunts getting into the family business. Mm-hmm. It was very much no one's going to do a restaurant. We're, yeah. we're done after this. Yeah. Um, he ended up getting pushed out by the people that were leasing the building. Like he was leasing the building from them. They wanted to build a new building, started doing construction around him, mm. took it. I know it's a whole thing, but he ended up not renewing the lease because of it. And that was the end of that. Oh, Is that why man. he didn't want you to get into it? He saw kind of the direction it was going or what was his reasoning for not wanting you in there? He didn't want my dad in it because he was there 
from morning until night every day yeah. and he didn't have any time to spend with his family yeah. and he didn't want that for my dad who decided he was going to go be a Marine Corps fighter pilot <laughs> wow. and spend all kinds of time away from us anyway. <laughs> wow. so, no, pretty much not, the same thing. Pretty much the same thing. But he, uh, no, I'm very proud of my dad. But, That's awesome. But the, the restaurant, I almost guarantee that he, he'd probably have I heard bet he, of yeah. my I'll grandfather. Ask. Alas, and that just sounds well, you like such Johnny a steakhouse name. <laughs> you mentioned Johnny Bench too, and I'm pretty sure my dad just got breakfast with him. Like, nah, it must have been ten years ago. Did Pete Rose invest at all? He did. He backed the yeah. precinct. Yeah. Did that? Of get, course, he took a risk. He likes to gamble. Say, did that get sketchy at all? <laughs> <laughs> no, my dad actually was. Uh, Does he get the one that took picks? him to jail? Oh, really? Yeah, they dropped him off. My mom and him. They're very close. I grew up with Pete, and Pete. I've always liked Pete Rose. Pete's a good man. Pete. Has a problem with gambling. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a sports better too. Well, didn't, he, so. didn't he? I've well, never the, fixed any games. The bet that he, well, he didn't. He wasn't even fixing <laughs> game. He was betting on his own team to win, right? Uh, that yeah, would be that would be viewed as, as that's, that's not fixing. Well, it's also very you're legal. still yeah. I get it. That's probably not good, but I think that it <laughs> it, it went deeper than just baseball. So, mm -hmm. right. but I have great great memories with Pete and Johnny. And, uh, you know, it was. Uh, but again, go back going back to childhood. I mean, it was you know like when I was a going into seventh grade, I remember, um, I just wanted, I had a pool party and in walks AC Slater at my house. My dad thought it was so cool. He's got this appearance with Mario Lopez walking into the pool and all the girls are like, Oh my God, it's Mario Lopez. I'm like, I'm mortified. Can I just be normal? And I know it sounds like, you know, Road war, what is it? Third world problems? First world problems. First world problems, <laughs> First world problems. whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, that sounds like the dumbest thing, but I really was just, I wanted to fly under the radar as a kid mm -hmm. and just be a normal kid. So is that like a requirement when you were, you know, dating a guy, you were like, hey, what's your last name? <laughs> can't be Ruby, can't be anything fancy. Give funny, me a funny now though, I'm like, you know, I didn't want to lose Ruby. So I changed my middle name right. to Ruby mm -hmm. <laughs> and Caleb's good with it. He's like, look, if we're calling to get a reservation at a restaurant, no one knows who Brittany Miller is. So I call it my stage name. That does <laughs> sound like a sports reporter named Brittany Miller, like a sideline reporter. Reporting live right mm -hmm. here from Conquering Columbus. This is Brittany Miller. There you go. There you go. Well, all right. We have successfully gotten far off topic. Hey, that's all that matters. <laughs> We've gone off into the woods. Uh, so that's I'm going to bring it back a little bit. Obviously, today uh, there are some struggles going on for restaurants that weren't there three months ago, you might say. Um, COVID-19 has had a huge impact on restaurants and everybody's feeling it. So- what, what's been the impact for your team and how have you guys kind of responded to it? So if you would have asked me two months ago, even really, we were in the trenches and it's, it's, it was gut wrenching. Uh, I feel like now trying to get, and I'm, I plan on speaking about it actually at our church, because I think it, it is really a miraculous story that we're still standing in the position that we are at the level that we are. And, and so, and by the way, I, like you, am very keep it real, even though I am a Christian. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I keep it very real in the sense that, like, I, I agree with what we were talking about before. So when I say I give glory to God, I'm still, that doesn't mean, like, I'm some freak and I'm off on a, you know, sermon kind of screaming. That's not it. I'm saying this craziness that happened with our company and with our industry and with our world, um, for us to be standing in a position where we are now, uh, it really, truly feels very miraculous to me. And I feel so blessed to be able to have a company still on to, to have pretty much brought back n almost a hundred percent of our staff. Um, we're yeah, about that's definitely not normal right now at all. No, it's not. It's, it, it was really crazy. And what was really nuts was right before COVID hit, we had been through a, six months strategic planning process. And in that we set up all these great smart goals and, and initiatives for the next 18 months. But we 
we honed in on what and articulated what our vision and mission was, and and it was to transform our industry. We thought that that was going to be to to be the the industry leaders um, and to transform our industry. We thought that was through mental illness and through foster care. And, uh, and, and we use our platform with the restaurants to be able to do that. And we do it really well. Uh, we try to be at the highest level we possibly can because I know what that means for opportunities for, for this platform that we have. So then COVID hit and uh, still had our great vision and mission statement and kind of put it in our back pocket for a while thinking, who am I going to roll it out to? Six people who are working for us. <laughs> so we waited. But what was crazy, and especially now being in Columbus, like today, John Barker from the Ohio Restaurant Association is incredible and uh, is based out of Columbus. And I got really plugged in with him. And, you know, he's got Cameron Mitchell on his board and a great group of restaurant folks from Columbus. I think really some of the top in the industry in America. And he said, hey, I really would like if you have, if you want to get involved in this PPP issue, um, we need awareness through the National Restaurant Association. So was able to have a pretty significant impact, I think, in networking using our connections. We got on today's show, Bill Hemmer, CNN, just all kinds of national press. Uh, and and then- What was it that you guys were covering on the press? The PPP issue. So for the restaurant industry, there were a number of things that for our industry needed to change, right? So the relief that we would get from the federal government with the stimulus package did not benefit restaurants. And so it really came down to getting Congress to extend the length of the forgiveness from eight weeks to 24, to extend kind of these buckets to open it up where 75% didn't have to go to payroll, 60% could go. And you could use another 40% on utilities and other mm -hmm. needs. And uh, because people were using PPP, these federal funds at a time when they still had revenue. So for us, we had to bring back most of our employees, even though we didn't have any revenue just to burn this money. It just, it was like the cycle that just did not make any sense. So we were able to kind of get the awareness out and then also have a little bit of involvement with meeting with senators and getting on the calls with people who had a vote. And mm -hmm. so talked to uh, Mitch McConnell, Marco Rubio, talked to Senator Portman, a, a, just a lot of folks, even up here, Senator Brown, and then the day that they passed the PPP, John had called me and said, do you know Wisconsin Senator Johnson? I have no clue who this guy is. And he said, it's really the one holding this entire thing up. And we can't wait. Restaurants are hemorrhaging. All kinds of restaurateurs, whether it's big box, mom and pop, are saying, we need these funds, but we don't know what to do with it. And our forgiveness is up. We're at eight weeks right now. Mm -hmm. If they wait another week, that's make or break for many restaurants. Mm -hmm. And um, so I called my friend Tina Husted, uh, who lives up here. And, uh, and she was able to get us in touch through an email. And we set up a call that day. And on the call, uh, and my father was the one that sent the email, and he really gave a great, powerful kind of testimony to how important this is for restaurants. Uh, the advisor came in, uh, we were talking to the chief of staff, but the advisor came in and said, Senator Johnson just signed off and it should be signed in 30 minutes. And that next morning is when um, that it hit, that it passed and President Trump signed off on it within a week. And so I only say kudos to Columbus with the Ohio Restaurant Association that, you know, before I even really, I always knew that they were great, but to be able to be an industry leader and based out of Columbus here was just mind blowing. And I'm super thankful and feel super happy that they thought to include us in that. 
Did that end up working out for a smaller? I, I followed this strictly from a third party, you know, just hearing from other people. And I heard a lot of, I saw in sports, obviously, the people who got money that did not need to get money. And then mm-hmm. once they got caught, they'd then give it back. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to name any names, but some large that, organizations. What that, happened in restaurants, too. Yeah. And I saw a lot of my friends that that work in restaurants here that got no money. And then these massive chains were getting tons of money. Did that end up get fixing, fixed with this whole BPB thing? If they applied, thing? they should have they should have okay. gotten it. Yeah. And and there's there was an also another loan called the IDLE loan, E-I-D-L loan. That um, so there there are multiple ways to be able to to use that, but I would assume if they applied, the problem was uh, the big banks could not process these loans, and so uh, the money the first round was that was it, mm-hmm. and that's when really it got really scary. Even for us, we were, we were with a big bank, but I had to call a personal friend out of a very small bank and say, "Look, we're going on a week. He has, they have not been able to process this loan." And and he called in a favor. I recognize that not everybody could call the president mm-hmm. and CEO of a small bank and say, "Please process this." Yeah. So many didn't get in on the first round. So that's gut wrenching, super scary. You've got a company, you've got a business, you've restaurants are are it's the American dream, and you're forced to shut down. You're not given any relief. You're not given any guidance by the SBA or mm-hmm. Treasury. And so luckily, then they did round two and people were able to get in in round two. But if they got in and hopefully everybody did uh, that you're referring to, then it was like, okay, well, it's eight weeks. You should have used, you know, c- could have been a million dollars, could have been $10 million, whatever it is. But you have to burn it all before you're even open, right? So mm-hmm. we needed that money for capital as we open, because we don't know what the future holds. We don't know, as you said, what's happening in the fall. I don't think that Ohio is going to shut back down, but I do believe that we need to be very good stewards of our money and hold on and be very smart. And that's where really the government should come in and help you. And and luckily it worked out quite well, but it was, like I said, if you asked me two months ago, I mean, it was scary, scary times. Yeah. The numbers are looking really scary right now. Again, I'm not a doctor and we don't know anything about this and people are learning, you know I mean? We, nobody's going to know, like you right. have to find out, right? But as you see the numbers and what's happening, the, mm-hmm. the opening back up seems to be like we're going right back this very rapidly as everything else. And so it's kind of, like you said, we need to be good stewards of our money. I feel like we need to be good stewards of our health and people and just be mm-hmm. like a little bit more aware of what's, you know, what's going on. I get it. I sat in my house for two months. That right. sucked. Yeah. I hated every second of it. But uh, yeah, I'm like a little worried to see kind of where... Do you, you know see that, that graph that they were like, yeah, you flattened the curve. We brought it right back up. Right. Well, it yeah. looks like a half pipe. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to comment because I'm not a yeah, again, scientist or Most people or aren't, like right? Um, but the ones that are, you know, if we're not listening to them, it's like. Right, right. I agree completely. The, yeah. There are, you know, there's just, it's it's an interesting and un, what's unprecedented mm-hmm. situation, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's the be- the worst part about it is none of us have been here before. Nobody mm-hmm. alive is, I mean, maybe one or two people alive we're around like for the Spanish polio. flu, yeah. right? You know, like there might be one or two people left over that were still around for that. But mm-hmm. I mean, I think the unknown is the thing that scares people the most. Like you said, when you don't know what's coming, you got to have a cushion. You got to hold on to that. You got to be financially sound and you got to make sure that, you know, you have that backup plan. Yeah. Hey there, Conquerors. We want to take a quick moment to talk about one of our sponsors, Studio 301. Kyle and his team have helped us redesign our website, taking the podcast in a new direction that we truly love. And we have some incredible guests here on the show. And Studio 301 has given us a website that reflects the caliber of the people that join us. And the Studio 301 team can help you with everything from brand strategy and redesigns to market research, videography, social media overhauls, and a whole lot more. You can go check them out at studio301.org. That's studio301.org.
what's optimistic for me living in Ohio is, and I shared this with you before we started recording, mm -hmm. uh, I was just in Florida and it was a shit show. There's no way uh, I could say it. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was terrible. And coming from somebody, I was on the governor's restaurant advisory board. I helped actually lead the physical space section of the entire project. And so when when you're part of something that, and it was incredible leadership by Trevor Weaver from Wasserstrom, uh, just awesome. And what I saw in Florida and what I see what we're doing in Ohio is night and day. Mm -hmm. And if we're all not doing our part, then that's a problem. What's optimistic for me is, is the leadership in Ohio and we have markets in Kentucky and Tennessee as well. And they're taking it seriously. So when you walk into a restaurant in Florida, no reservations, walk up to the bar, grab a drink, standing room only, no masks anywhere in sight. In mm -hmm. fact, my driver gave me like this huge like riot act because I asked him about it. And he's like, you know, those are worse long-term. I'm like, what? in what world are you living? I guess that now I'm getting controversial. I'll probably get some emails, but what on, I'm, I'm fine with it. What yeah, on know? earth? And so in Ohio, these restaurants are really taking it quite it, very seriously. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to get shut down again. Mm -hmm. I well, don't. We also made the news as a bunch of stooges at the beginning. Well, that, that was day one. But yeah, look, they, right. We got our arms wrapped around that tw in 24 hours, but I agree with you day one, but that was a bold decision that we actually pushed was, Hey, Bar should be included. And and we felt that if you have are sitting down and you're not standing up and you're at you're dining kind of at the bar, how is that different than dining at my bar where I have a restaurant? Mm -hmm. And so we tried to do our part for uh the the local, you know, economy. And and again, people had cabin fever, they got out. I also will tell you it's hard to be the COVID bouncer, it's hard to be the COVID police, but Within 24 hours, I think we got that thing ironed out where people now are doing much better because of the crackdown that happened that day one. But I would agree with you. Yeah, I think, I mean, overall, I think Ohioans, and, and you know, depending on what side you're on, I guess really, really That's the problem is that there's a side. Your, right, yeah, I don't know if there should be a side. Yeah, but that's, it got turned I think into- overall, you know, yeah, it's turned yeah. into a political issue. But overall, I think we've done well. We've listened to our experts. And I think mm -hmm. that most people are going to wear a mask when they go outside. Right. Yeah. And especially in Ohio. I think that, you know, uh, and maybe maybe I have a biased viewpoint because I live in the city. Mm -hmm. um, but that's what I've seen so far. Well, and I'll share something with you that we didn't really share with the press, but I'll share it with you. <laughs> I guess we're technically the press. So <laughs> don't tell Just be careful. <laughs> About a month ago, we had somebody test positive in Nashville. So we had one employee test positive at our restaurant in Nashville. And that was the first, look, every restaurant's gonna have it. It's not about if, it's when. So this was for us, you know, pretty scary at the time, but we have not had anybody else test positive. What's encouraging though, as we have our businesses that are open, was he was exposed for probably a week there. And, you know, we, we called everybody, we canceled. The day that we found out we canceled all the reservations, I was really concerned about like, oh, great. What are the guests going to think? They're just like, can we get in tomorrow? There wasn't a single person who wasn't ready to just come back. They trusted us so much. But that one person did not expose anybody else through proper PPE, through sanitation, through washing your hands, through wearing masks, doing everything that we are doing. Not a single person in that building got it. Mm -hmm. And and for me, that was really encouraging. And, and I felt good because we've got to live our lives. I mean, we have to learn how to manage this. We do know through these practices that have been mandated by the experts that we can mitigate 
as much as possible. Now, if you're going to a bar and you're drinking after each other and you're standing up and you're breathing and you're not wearing a mask, it's going gonna, it's gonna to continue to spread. Mm-hmm. But I feel good and encouraged that, that businesses, if they're following it, can actually be very safe places to still go and live your life and to get out and celebrate and to try to have some sort of normal, uh, you know, life uh, without staying like a hermit in in your in your house in your apartment. Hey everybody, we're gonna take a quick break here to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus. You know, it really couldn't be cooler to have a sponsor and a partner like One Columbus. They are directly in alignment with everything we stand for and everything we're looking to promote here at Conquering Columbus. I mean, they just want to bring the most competitive companies to the area and make everything about the city and the region just one of the greatest places to live in the United States and in the world for that matter. Yeah, they're like the ultimate Columbus hype man. They're trying to bring new businesses here, show them what our strengths are, but also address some of the weaknesses and say, like, this is how we could get better. So for us, we're excited to help promote their goal and help tell the story with them on board. Absolutely. And uh, if you guys want to learn more about One Columbus, check them out at columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. So what's on the horizon as we get out of this, right? And I, I'm sure this will be part of your day-to-day for mm-hmm. a long while, but what other initiatives, what else is on your mind going into 2021 and beyond? I've got to stay laser focused on making sure that our company stays afloat. And so for me, like even with the foundation, that's that's great. We need to do that. For us, really, it's it's important but I've got to stay laser focused on making sure that our restaurants are safe places to eat, that our employees are protected, that our guests are protected, and that we are financially strong. And so that's on my plate right now. And being a good mom, you know, throughout this, and making sure that I'm there for my family. So anything above and beyond that really is going to fall to the wayside until we're able to pick back up. The company has, has again, even without the PPP, our company financially is as strong as it was the day that we furloughed 580 people. No, I'm sorry, 624. And we have 580 back now. So that to me is just making sure that this company has uh, is not just around for the next five years, it's around for the next 50 years. Definitely. And uh, Brittany, it's been great talking to you. We got one last question for you and it's centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus. Uh, and so this one wasn't on the outline, so we'll see what you think. The I didn't even look at that, by the way. Didn't even look yeah, at the I outline. Don't like That's you. what I like. There you <laughs> I go. like to just go. I'm like, mm-hmm. kind of wing it. There you go. Well, the theme on Conquering Columbus is live uncomfortably. Okay. And well, that's where we are now. Yeah, we're here. Right. And uh, so not telling you too much about what we think about it. What do you think of when you hear the phrase, how does it apply to your life and career? To me, it just means taking your life day by day and not worrying about tomorrow. You can't do that right now. It's just, you kind of have to fly by the seat of your pants every day. Um, I try to stay as positive as I can. And so living uncomfortably means surrendering to what life's going to be and trying to find a way to have joy and peace and and to live in a positive kind of sense. I've been, I, I know what anxiety, depression, and all that is like. Been down that road. Don't want to go back. Live uncomfortably means we live in a fallen world. Bad things are going to happen. That uh, We're in a very scary situation now, but I have complete peace and surrendered that I don't have control over it, but I can do my part and I can rest in knowing that there's, there's a higher power out there that truly does care. Great thoughts. And uh, Brittany, thank you so much for coming up to uh, talk with us. We really appreciate you taking the time to share your story on Conquering Columbus. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Perfect. So Um, fun. Yeah, it was. And uh, Conquerors, thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you all enjoyed that episode. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.